Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad and then on with today's episode. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. And that's when I realized I had something I did not ever want to experience attached to the end of my leg. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. 
Henry is an educator in the field of marine science. And as you'll hear when we're talking, it's not just his job, it's his life work. It's as much a passion for him as it is a career. When he goes diving in a river and kind of rummaging around the bottom, he never really knows what he'll find. What he expects to find mostly are rocks and sand. What he hopes to find are ancient shark teeth or even the skeletal remains of prehistoric creatures. What he did not expect to find was a live alligator. But one day he did, and he was lucky enough to live through it and be able to tell us the story today. And I want to say a big thank you to the patrons of this show. If you'd like to join them and support the show, you can do that at whatwasthatlike.com support. And if you hang around after today's episode, I'll tell you about the podcast that I support through Patreon. But first, we're going to hear about what happened to Henry. How many years have you been diving? Oh, let's see. Uh, must be about 13 years, I think. Somewhere around oh, there. So, so you're pretty experienced then? Yeah, yeah. I've got a little bit of experience, yeah. Can you tell tell me, what is a typical dive like? I mean, are you going from a boat or how does how is it set up? Well, it, it really depends on what kind of diving there is. That's, that's kind of the great thing about this hobby. You know, there's so many different kinds. You can really, really do all sorts of different things. Um, I've got friends of mine who are cave divers. I have friends of mine who go spearfishing and I've done some of these things as well. I was in the Keys last weekend teach. I'm a scuba instructor. Um, I was in the Keys this past weekend diving on reefs and teaching my students how to dive and having a great time. But, uh, but fossil diving is a different, different ball game. How, how is it different? Well, for starters, where we dive is uh, <laughs> some, some place that most people wouldn't even get into the water. It's a black water river, we like to call it, because the water is, uh, well, black. You can't really see too much. And um, being as it's Florida, there's quite a few creatures that, uh, that inhabit, <laughs> inhabit that river as well. And um, we actually- As, we, as we're about to find out, I'm sure, right? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. We, we do use a boat sometimes. Uh, most of the time we use something called a mud boat, basically a, a little fiberglass or metal hull with a long extended motor off the back. And that's so we can go in shallow and deeper waters because the river, it's, you know, it's not maintained or anything by, by any boating authority. So there's stumps and trees and all sorts of things floating around in there. So we were on a boat. So this is like, you called it a black water river. Mm-hmm. And so you have to dive. Obviously, you'd need to bring light with you to see what you're what you're trying exactly. to find, right? Exactly. What is it you're looking for down there? We we're looking for uh, fossils. You know, uh, one of the amazing things about Florida is the sheer amount of history, geological and biological, that we have. Florida has been above water and underwater several times over the last several thousand and, and millions of years, and so we have a huge collection of natural history that that can be found. Uh, just underneath our underneath our feet it's pretty cool and uh the reason we're in rivers specifically is because they cut through those layers of sediment all the way down and tumbling together and exposing these fossils so that, that's what we're we're really looking for and and it could be things from 20 million year old megalodon shark teeth so i don't know if you've ever seen that recent movie <laughs> with uh i think jason statham in it not accurate but uh it did have a, a megalodon in it and that was a, a giant 60-foot shark. 
So we're looking for teeth from those guys. We're looking for mako teeth, another kind of shark, all, all, all sorts of different kinds of sharks. Um, but there's also vertebra fossils and things like that. It, it, you know, most people don't really know how much, how much history is found in Florida, but we actually had Colombian mammoths, which are actually bigger than woolly mammoths running around on Florida about 20,000 years ago. So you could theoretically find the, a, a mammoth skeleton in the river? And I have, or, yep. Now, you're a teacher of marine sciences. Do you, is this stuff that you use in your classroom, the stuff that you find? It is, yep. Uh, they are fantastic learning tools. I actually take my kids uh, to an area where they can, they can collect their own fossils and go sifting for shark teeth. Obviously a safe area, but <laughs> you know, they get to explore and, and put their, their hands on the world around them and, and the natural world that, that they're so lucky to live near. That's, uh, that's more exciting than ever any field trip I went on when I was a kid, <laughs> I think. <you> know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're not, you're, when you're in the river, you're not snorkeling. You're actually in full scuba gear. We are in full scuba gear. I have a helmet, lights, uh, tanks, uh, you know, the works. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of equipment. It's very equipment intensive. Now, what we're going to talk about happened on uh, Saturday, March the 23rd, 2019, just earlier this year. And you were on the Peace River, and that's here in Florida, but that's a long river. Roughly, where were you, or what was the nearest town? Uh, it's a little we, town called uh, a little town called Arcadia. Some people are familiar with that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of if you're in the Tampa area, it would be about two hours south and a little bit east, more towards the middle of the state. And to give people a picture of the size of this river, how, how deep is it? How far across is it? Again, that really depends on location. The, where the Peace River dumps out into, uh, into the Gulf, it, it's quite wide. But in some of these narrow, narrow areas and bends where, where I'm, I'm hunting for shark teeth and, and you know, other fossils, it may only be 10 feet across, 20 feet across. And um, again, the depth, hugely variant. It, uh, there's a few spots that we go to that are literally at the, at the time of year that we go to may only be three or four inches of water. And then it goes down to 10, 20, 30 feet. So it, it's quite, it's quite a range. You know? Yeah. That's a big range. And then this river actually changes based on rainfall quite, quite radically. You know, it, it'll go up and down a good, uh, depending on the season, five, 10, 20 feet especially when there's hurricanes running around. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> drastic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's actually, um, we call it fossil season, fossil growing season and fossil hunting season. So, uh, when there's lots of rain in August and over the summer, we call that fossil growing season because the water raises quite a bit. It's not really possible to dive. I did try one time and, and it's not really possible. The water's just too fast and too deep, but it's great because it, it starts to erode more of the bottom and more of the banks and expose more formations. So that's fossil growing season. And then we like to, we call it a mini, mini season in about this time of year, actually. Um, there's about, again, depending on how dry it is, there's a few weeks where you can go out again and then it's not so great until February, March. So, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. And when you say this time of year, just so people know, we're, we're <laughs> recording this in like mid-October. So that's like the mini season you're talking about. Exactly. Last year, I, I was able to dive the river. Uh, I actually dove it again two weeks ago. 
and that's actually the earliest I've really been able to dive in a while hmm. just because it's been so dry. So normally it, many season wouldn't start until about late October, beginning November. So the section of river where you were at that day, had you dived there before? Many times actually. Uh, well, that exact section, no. I've done that several mile stretch, different spots along it. But we were actually trying to look for a new area because of, of the people that I was with. So I, I was doing some exploration. And so I haven't, I hadn't dove that exact spot where, where the incident happened. And who was with you that day? I had a good friend of mine, uh, Justin. He's, uh, we've been diving together for a while now, diving for fossils and hunting for arrowheads and things like that. So I had Justin and then, um, this YouTuber named Jake or D almighty. So uh, this was my second time meeting Jake and he came down to dive with us and kind of see what we were all about. He found us through Instagram. So he's, he must be local here in Florida as well then. Uh, no, he's actually not. He's, uh, really based kind of in, in Georgia, but he does come down to Florida a lot to do adventures and, and things like that. He's, uh, his, his thing is looking in rivers for, he calls it river treasure. Um, he's found, uh, iPhones and rings and gold and, and a few firearms actually as well. Hmm. That's kind of uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You never know what you're going to find down there. Exactly. And I have found some weird things on there, <laughs> man-made things. Yep. Do you usually see alligators in this river? Again, year dependent, time of year dependent, but yes, we, we see gators on the sides of the banks all the time. And it's, it's one of the dangers that are kind of ever present. Those and water moccasins, we see water moccasins pretty, pretty commonly as well. Most of the time, the gators aren't too big there. There are maybe three or four footers sitting on the sides, and they usually disappear when they see our boat coming by. Of course, I have seen a few here and there, 10, 11 footers, uh, and we usually give them a wide berth. But it is it is something that we've always been nervous about. I've been diving this river for, I think this will be my fifth year in this river. And I was, you know, I've been very nervous about gators for the longest time in the beginning. And, you know, I think that I, I probably got a little bit complacent. Yeah, because if you had any problem with them in five years, you right. kind of think, yeah, it's, I'm probably fine. And I, I've known um, a friend of mine who, who actually kind of started me into this hobby. He's been diving it for about 25 years and never had any incident. He started you in this hobby. Does he feel guilty now? Uh, well, <laughs> we, uh, we, we joke around about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to. Just take us through what happened that day and how it all played out. Jake had been diving the day before with another friend of mine, and they hadn't found too, too much. Jake was down here to make a YouTube video and to uh, to try and get into fossil diving. He's never found a megalodon. He had, at that time, never found a megalodon tooth, a giant shark tooth before. And uh, he, he knew that Justin and my friend Rick and I had been finding quite a few of these and posting them on social media. So he contacted us and, and basically was trying to see how it all worked and, and um, try it out for himself. So he went on on a Friday with some friends and they, they, they found a few things, but nothing spectacular. So I guess they called out the big guns. They called me and Justin out because we're, uh, we're, we like to call ourselves usually pretty lucky. So we planned this trip together. Uh, just the three of us on, on, on my friend's boat, little mud boat, as I, as I was talking about. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is we were gearing up the boat. And as I said earlier, it, it's 
equipment intensive. We have to bring a lot of stuff. We got two tanks, each of uh, two air tanks for each of us. And they're usually, we like to dive with steel tanks because we can put a little bit more air inside them. So, you know, that's, you're talking six tanks. Each tank is probably uh, 30 or 40 pounds, you know, pretty heavy, let alone all the buckets and uh, BCDs, which are the, the jackets that we wear and regulators and coolers and all this stuff we cram in this boat. And it's not, it's not a huge boat. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot, of, a lot of work putting wetsuits on and hoods because it can be a little chilly. And it was actually, what was it? It was March. So I was wearing two wetsuits because I, I get cold pretty easily. So I was double layering myself, which actually turned out to be, be pretty, a pretty good idea. So I was putting on my wetsuit and Jake was uh, putting on his and his, he classically goes out with a camo wetsuit and kind of a military style vest, I would say for sticking odds and ends in, you know, tools, screwdrivers, things to find and pry under the water but his his wetsuit's actually camo and so he was joking about how alligators wouldn't be able to see him and they would go straight for me because i was wearing an all-black wetsuit with an all-black hood and a and an all-black helmet and all-black fin actually no my fins were green but everything else was all black and he was he was saying it was he, i remember him saying something about me being a seal and a tasty snack and that was actually how we started the day off <laughs> so uh ended up being a little bit fortuitous there. Yeah. If this was a, a, a novel, that would be a foreshadowing. I think. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we were joking around and, uh, that didn't actually stop there. So, you know, we may have been asking for this to happen because in the water, again, I said, this, this is my second time meeting Jake and we were kind of messing with each other and, uh, grabbing each other's legs and pulling on them when we, whenever we saw each other under the water. And again, remember it's a black water river. So you, you can't see anything. It's, it's pitch black other than the small bubble of light that you're, that you have with your flashlights. <clears throat> so any bump or, or pull or squeeze kind of freaks you out a little bit. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages, that little bit each day adds up and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels, and thankfully, that's all backed up by science, and all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature, and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. 
Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com what. I'll confess, sometimes I let my podcast playlist get out of hand and I get way behind. But there's one show that I subscribe to and any new episode goes right to the top of the queue. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's because I never have to figure out, okay, is this one going to be interesting or do I wait for the next one like I do for some shows? Because Jordan's conversations are always a must listen for me. He talks to fascinating people from any category you can think of. Authors, scientists, athletes, you name it. He's talked to undercover cops who posed as mafia and the actual career mafia hitmen. And the stories he gets out of these people, just incredible. In one episode, he talked to Paul Holes. You might know that name if you're into true crime. He's the former investigator who uses really advanced methods to solve cold cases, including the Golden State Killer. And another one I really enjoyed was with Sam Harris, an author and neuroscientist who promotes skepticism, and he doesn't mind taking on some seriously controversial topics like politics or religion. That one's going to make you think. Whenever a new episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show pops up, I already know it's going to be an episode that I'll enjoy listening to, and I'll bet you will too. For some episode recommendations, check out jordanharbinger.com start or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. But we, we had been messing around doing that that day as well. So we're <laughs> kind of funny there. I'd say we, we probably went a good two or three hours of bottom time, of time under the water without really finding too much. Jake had found a small megalodon tooth. I'd found a small uh, couple odds and ends of, of random fossil and bone and things like that. And, and, you know, as you start to get into the hobby, you start recognizing a lot of different things. But I would, I would assume most of your listeners don't know what a, what a tapir is or any of that stuff. But we found a few small odds and ends, but, but nothing crazy. You know, not the big video-making, YouTube video-making item that we, that we really wanted. You know, Jake's seen pictures of my friend and I coming up with Colombian mammoth legs and tusks and, and jaws and, and really cool, crazy stuff. So that's obviously, that's what he was hoping. He doesn't really know about the, the hours and days and days of, of work leading up to those, but you know, he wanted something big, right? 
Right, right. So he's thinking he's he's thinking finding great stuff, but he's also thinking hopefully a viral video. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so and I, and I wanted to to live up to my end. You know, I wanted to show him something awesome. I wanted to I wanted to be part of that that process. So uh, I I made a suggestion. Turns out not to be one I'll be making again. And uh, yeah, that would uh, that would be the method of discovery for, uh, for trying to find different spots. So we, we took him to a few spots that we'd known, and those just didn't pan out. And sometimes that happens. You know, I've gone to a spot where I pulled out a ton of really cool stuff one year, and then the next year it's been covered in sand. You know, the river bottom changes every year, so it's it's kind of tough. So we we took him to some some well known spots that we hadn't touched in a while, and uh, none of those really panned out. So I suggested drifting backwards with the current and uh, one person kind of staying with the boat to move it every time and kind of do a leapfrog action. If you can kind of imagine that I would get in the water and drift backwards and they would be with the boat and I'd pop up and they'd bring the boat to me. And then the next person would drift backwards. Um, we actually had two people drifting and one person kind of with the boat. And basically we we're just trying to scan the bottom for gravel beds areas where there's a lot of fossil material, that's pretty obvious. So we're looking for anywhere where there's gravel that's, I, I would say is bigger than a quarter. And that, that's a good sign of, of maybe other things in that area. Cause a lot of the river is just silt and sand and you're trying to avoid that cause you're never going to find anything there. So, uh, you know, I said, all right, let's, let's leapfrog down this river and, and just scan the bottom. And whenever we hit some gravel, we can anchor up the boat and, and take a, further exploration and further look at that area and so that was working for a little bit I, I was drifting backwards and i found a spot and we'd explore the area we found a few a few more cool things but again nothing crazy and um i'd say it was about one o'clock in the afternoon and i was drifting backwards trying to find a new spot and at first i i sincerely thought that it was jake messing with me again I, mean, I, I, I didn't realize at that time that I was the furthest one down the line. There was no one behind me, but I felt a really, really strong squeeze on my leg and on my foot. And for a split second, I was like, oh man, that's Jake again. And then it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's when I realized I had something I did not ever want to experience attached to the end of my leg. It, it happened really fast at the time, but I have, I, I, it's strange. Time seems to have, it, it speeds up and slows down in my memory. So those first few seconds are really slow. Just a crushing, squeezing feeling, me thinking, oh, is that my friend? No, this is way too strong. And then it speeds up. And I remember grabbing my BC and, and inflating. My BC is the jacket that uh, allows divers to go up and stay at the top with with a lot of air or deflate and go down so i remember grabbing my my controller for that and inflating and spinning and it's black you know the the we were probably maybe in seven feet of water at that time seven feet of water okay yeah i'd say something like that and uh i remember grabbing my jacket my, my bc and pressing that controller and inflating and just kind of flailing around in the darkness and i i started getting spun around and and the river is is it was more of a, a constriction in the river. It really wasn't that wide at that point. So I was spinning and tumbling and inflating my jacket 
and I just feel this twisting motion on my leg. And I just, I just knew I had to go with it, go with the flow. Don't resist it. And at the same time, the, uh, uh, with my right leg, I'm, I'm just kicking, 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 trying to pull my left leg out from whatever it was ended up being that alligator. We got to the top and that's when time slows down for a second again, at least in my memory. I, I look at the end of my leg and attached to it is this huge alligator head on my leg. And I just, I, I kick and I'm kicking and I'm kicking. And if you've ever seen an alligator feed, maybe if you've been to uh, one of the alligator shows or, or if you've been to the Everglades or anything like that, whenever they're thrown food or whenever they're attaching themselves and, and trying to bite onto food, sometimes they do something called a readjustment bite. And they'll shake their head back and forth and open their jaws and clamp down, trying to be- trying to get a better grip. And so I'm fighting, I'm kicking, I'm kicking and pushing with, with my free leg. And that alligator does that adjustment bite. It opens his mouth just a little bit, not a ton, just a little bit. And I'm able to pull my foot a little bit further out. And it clamps down again. Luckily for me, it was on my fin. I was able to rip my foot out of the fin. And I honestly don't remember getting out of the water i was just all of a sudden free of that alligator and then i was on shore and i don't remember anything in between there i must have walked on water <laughs> what would have been the gators plan of attack well how did how do they kill you well they they do something called a a death roll usually it's it's an apex predator the the crocodiles and alligators have been around for millions and millions of years they were around when the dinosaurs were here so they've got a system and it works and usually they go for prey that they can overpower and then they twist pieces off and they they do something called a death roll and they they latch onto onto a limb or onto a a piece of of whatever their hopeful meal is and they start spinning and they they rip it off they don't have sharp teeth like sharks they don't slice and cut they crunch and rip and pull and I knew that I could not allow that to happen. I had to make myself too much trouble to be worth it. And that's what I did. I, I was kicking and pushing and pulling and, and fighting every, every second. What, was it a factor that you had scuba gear on and you could, you could breathe more easily? Like if somebody was just out swimming, mm-hmm. you, you know, they would have a limited time under the water before they start right. to drown. I, I think part of part of what saved me is, is my training, even though it's not meant for something like this necessarily as a scuba instructor, I'm always telling people the number one killer of divers is panic. It's not running out of air. It's not getting trapped in us in a shipwreck or underneath a log. It's doing those things and then panicking. So yes, I was fighting. I was scared, but the, the fear didn't really catch up to me until I was on, on shore. Uh, but I knew that I had to fight. I knew I couldn't let go of that regulator. I knew that that air was my life. You know, if it had twisted off my foot or, or stuffed me underneath a log somewhere, if I had my regulator, I could still breathe. And that was the most important thing. And that's what I teach my, my students. Hold on to your regulator. If, if something happens, if you get pulled into a current, if you get caught up in a line, you need to keep your air source with you at all times. And that's what I did. So that, you know, that part of my gear and part of my training definitely had an impact on how I was able to survive this, this, uh, this ordeal. But I think also the nut remember when I said I, I was wearing two wetsuits cause I get cold. And I'm kind of a big baby with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wearing about 
eight millimeters of, of neoprene on me at that time. I was wearing two wetsuits. One was a five millimeter and one was a, a three. So he wasn't able to, it's almost like having blubber on my leg. It wasn't able to penetrate as deeply in, into my leg and get, and get that great of a purchase. And I don't, I honestly don't think he was really trying to hunt me out, you know, hunt me down. He probably didn't know I was even in the water until I shoved my foot into his mouth. As I said, it was in more of a narrow restriction of the river, only about seven feet deep. So you may have just drifted. I right may into have him. just drifted, right, and that's what I what I'm what I'm thinking. You know, every part of me was black. I was wearing a black wetsuit, black helmet, black hood. Everything was black. Even my even my gloves were black, except for my fins. My fins were like it's bright neon yellow. And so maybe as he saw that that foot that fin drive past him, you know, fly past him with the current. It may, maybe he thought that was a, a fish or, 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 or something that he could take down because he didn't see the rest of me because I'm, I'm, I was all kind of camouflaged there. That's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, so it jumped on, onto it and then may have done that readjustment when it realized that I was, I was a bit more than what he was hoping for. How would it have been different if he had grabbed your arm instead of your leg? Oh, man. Oh. I don't even want to imagine. My, I mean, my, it, it, you yeah. could still kick with both legs, but uh, yeah, I could kick. But what would I? What would I be kicking? You know, if I if he grabbed my arm, I'd be kicking his legs or his tail. Maybe that wouldn't have done anything. The fact that he grabbed my leg meant I knew exactly where to kick to to try and get its face. And even better, the lower part of your leg. Exactly. It it, it was um the bite was actually right o- across my heel, so you can actually see uh, tooth marks on my foot. And on my upper, uh, upper, uh, I, I guess my calf area. So it was right across that that heel joint. So right where the fin meets the foot or meets the leg, basically. So you got away from him and start. And you, at that point, your your main goal is just to get out of the water. Get did he water. Pers- did he pursue you at all? Nope. He. Uh, I, I remember seeing his his face on my on my foot, and I remember kicking and kicking and then that whole readjustment bite and then pulling free and after i pulled free again i blank out for a second there i just teleport from i'm out of his i'm out of the mouth i'm on on the shore and then i don't see him at all until maybe two minutes later when i'm I'm still waiting for my friends they haven't realized this yet two minutes later i see his head pop up on the other side of the river and and then that was the last time i saw him because uh, a few minutes after that my friend finally jake finally realized what was what was happening and uh he came over and and the alligator disappeared but it was actually it it took several minutes for anyone to notice you know so if if i was bleeding out if if god forbid my my foot had been taken off i was bleeding out uh, it would have taken quite some time for someone to realize because it wasn't it, it took maybe five i'd say five minutes for jake to pop his head up the first time and I was I was kind of shocked at the time, obviously. So I, I kind of calmly said to him, "Hey, I've been I've been bitten by an alligator," and he was pretty far away from me, so he didn't really understand what I was saying. He just saw me sitting on the bank. He actually went back down. <laughs> he went back down and started diving for another five minutes, and then he popped back up and saw that I was in the exact same spot on the bank. And I said it a little bit louder the second time. And uh, if you, if you watch his video at that point, he realizes, "Oh, I need to get over there now." Right. And my friend Justin is up is also underwater somewhere <laughs> further upriver. 
Yeah, we Henry, you've been attacked by an alligator. We'll be with you in a few minutes. There. We, <laughs> exactly. we well, got some stuff we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man. So what were your injuries? I mean, how bad was the uh was the bite? I got so lucky. You know, I, I I probably got the best case scenario. You know, I got a great story out of it, but I didn't really lose too much. Uh, I didn't really get too much damage on my leg. I have tooth marks going across um, across my foot, two on each side of my foot, uh, one a little deeper where it actually tore further through both my fin and my booties, and then um, two smaller holes, very, very small scars on my calf area. And uh, I think that's because I was wearing so much wetsuit up there. On my foot, I was only wearing a very thin, thin boot. So it was able, and I actually still, I, I still use those boots and, uh, I, I get to tell the story to my students and I get to show them the holes in my boots and, uh, it's pretty funny. Hey, this is Scott. Did you know we offer a premium feed of this show that is completely ad free and there are bonus episodes? Go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus, or just click the link in the show notes of any episode to learn more and to sign up. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can sign up right there in the app by clicking Try Free at the top of the episode list. And I hope to see you in the premium feed soon. But so I, ha- I have some nerve damage in my foot. I can't really feel um, the, it's, it's my left foot and I can't feel too much on my, on the right side of my left foot uh, all around that scar. Just from the crushing damage, the, as I said, they, they don't tear and and cut like sharks do for example they they crush and so um when i went to the hospital their biggest their biggest thing was trying to figure out if if i had broken any bones but i didn't get to the hospital for well hours <laughs> hours actually because you were where you were you were not really near a hospital well several miles upriver from the nearest boat ramp and so we had to, well, Jake had to get me and then Jake had to go get my friend, Justin, pull Justin up and Justin and Jake pulled the boat over to me and we had to load up all our gear and then <laughs> drive me all the way to the boat ramp. Yeah. You obviously can't leave everything out. There. Right. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. and I, I, I wasn't bleeding. It was, it was cold. So the, my foot was kind of blue already, you know, cause it was, it was, the water is pretty cold. And so I didn't bleed out too much for a while. I just remember I was sitting at the bow of the boat and Justin and Jake were, were driving me back and we pass a group of maybe 15, uh, sifters. And those are people who go out with, with, they're almost like grates, you know, with chicken wire and wooden frames and they're digging with shovels in the river and and trying to look for teeth and and other things as well. And uh, so we, we passed this group of sifters, me sitting on the bow, holding my foot, blood kind of welling up between my fingers (laughs) <laughs> and uh we were kind of shouting at them what happened and i remember one woman says oh hell no i'm out of here <laughs> and she immediately <laughs> yep, climbs <done>. out <laughs> of the river <laughs> onto the bank <laughs> and pulls her son with her she had a, a younger son with her and uh, <laughs> so i got you know i got a, a decent laugh out of that well i mean if I, i'm a parent too if i were out there with my kid and there's some what you picturing in your mind is a rogue gator right, going around attacking right. people, you know? Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd get out of there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously a gator would never have anything to do with a group of 15 people walking and standing around making a lot of noise, but you know, um, <laughs> so it took probably an hour for us to get back from, from the dive spot. 
and then we still had to load our cars and 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 i drove separately you know we all drove separately all three of us so i wasn't about to just leave my car you know there's i had no way to get out of there without driving myself and uh luckily it was my left foot so i was able to use my right foot and i drove the two hours back to back to saint pete and that's kind of when i decided well you know i should probably get this looked at because gators have alligators have notoriously dirty mouths you know that's what i was wondering too and and just the fact that it was in the dark you know a black river is it what was the concern for bacteria or infection big concern uh i, I went to a hospital in saint petersburg <laughs> and again this is actually pretty humorous after the fact but um i walk in with no shoes because I, I didn't i don't even know where they ended up i had flip-flops at some point but i lost those so i walk in with no shoes still in my in my bathing suit soaking wet dirt and uh and black water river smeared all over my face and i walk in there telling the uh the front desk that i got bit by an alligator and this was a hospital that is nowhere near anywhere you would probably get bitten by an alligator <laughs> they don't get so, too many of those huh no no they uh they actually said i remember when i finally got into a room and it didn't take long the nurse came up to me and she was like you got bit by what an alligator and then <laughs> as i was waiting for the doctor i just hear across the across the hallway from behind the curtain we have a gator bite yeah a real gator bite <laughs> so i hear all the uh all the staff of the hospital talking to each other apparently i was their one and only ever gator bite and they've been they've been in operation for quite a few years <laughs> so it, it really doesn't happen that much it's only been maybe 400 in the last 50 years something like that it, it doesn't happen very often yeah, I was surprised at the numbers on that, that it's, you know, you, you think about it, that you think, wow, it must happen all the time, especially here in Florida, because mm -hmm. we see them, you know, people see them on the all golf the course or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've had friends who have uh, a lake, you know, behind their house and they've, they've several times they've had to come and have uh, trappers come and take gators away because they're uh, just crawling around and, you know, there's people, they're in, they're in a uh, regular neighborhood. So, but it doesn't, in spite of all that, gator attacks really aren't that common. No, <laughs> I was also very surprised when I looked up the numbers on this. Um, I did the same, same exact thing. You know, I went on Google and typed in alligators and, and found all the reports and, and found that it doesn't really happen that much, at least unmolested, you know, without being someone who's messing around and, and trying to grab the gators. Right. Trying to provoke much. something. Yeah. Exactly. So did you have any infection or, or any problems? No. So, um, yeah. So when I, when I got to hospital, they immediately flushed out the wound and, and cleaned it out. And, and because luckily, I guess kind of luckily for me, because of the nerve damage, I actually, on my biggest wound, I didn't really feel them probing around in there cause they, they were, uh, flushing it out and, and sticking tubes and other things inside the wound, cleaning it out. And, uh, they, they put me on a round of antibiotics for about two weeks. But uh, they, they couldn't stitch it up, unfortunately. With bites like that, they're uh, really nervous about stitching in bacteria and, and shut, closing up the wound and then having an infection set in because it can't naturally flush itself out. So I've actually got a pretty – it's kind of keloided. It's kind of raised and bumpy because they couldn't, they couldn't stitch it up. That's kind of cool, though. You can show people your scar and say, yeah, hey, yeah, guess yeah. how this exactly. happened, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was kind of uh, fortunate that when this happened, that you had Jake there who he's, I mean, he's a pretty major, how many subscribers does he have on his YouTube channel? I, actually, I think he actually just broke 8 million the other week. 
That is pretty incredible. Yeah. So he was there and he, although he didn't get the actual, he must be regretting not getting oh, the actual attack. You know, I had, I had a GoPro on. I just didn't turn it on at that time. Oh, so I, I could have had it all from point of view, you know, I'm, I'd, you, I'd rather never do that again. Subscribe. That footage, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. But yeah, if that was a, if that would have been on, you could have had 8 million subscribers on your own. Oh, that, that, that kind of video. He did film as you were calling out, you were calling from the, from the mm-hmm. bank of the river there saying, Hey, uh, and he's saying, you know, he's on his way. I'm going to have a link to that. Or actually I'll probably just put that video on the uh, website uh, in the show notes for this episode. So people can watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Jake would love that. Of course. I think the video has got uh, f- um, at least a million views already. What happened? There was, there was something with the, with the flipper. Did you lose a flipper or what? Happened oh with that? yes. I forgot to mention that. So yes, yeah, so the alligator took my fin disappeared off with it and uh, you know of course I, I thought i'd never see that again it, it, i've lost things in that river before tools or I, i've actually lost a whole set of fins before when i left it on the side of the bank and and an airboat came by and and, and flushed the flushed the fins right into the water and they just they got taken by the current and disappeared so um yeah i never expected to see that fin fin again but i got contacted on my on my instagram account i have an account on Instagram for posting all these, all these things. It's a uh, think seek. So thinking about what I want to seek for, you know, <laughs> think about what I want to hunt for. Um, anyway, so I, I had someone private message me on that profile with a picture of a fin saying, Hey, I saw Jake's video. I saw the almighty's video. Is this your fin? He had actually gone out snorkeling looking for, for shark teeth the next day. And uh, the video didn't come out until about a week later, but he had gone snorkeling the next day, found that fin, picked it up, and then thrown it in his truck and forgot about it until he saw the video and recognized me and the story and the fin. Because I, I think in the video, I've, I've lift my fin, my fin up and talk about it or something like that. And so, yeah, so he, uh, he, he messaged me saying, hey, is this your fin? And it's a picture of my exact fin, and it's even got holes in the side of it from, from where the teeth marks uh, entered it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was talking with him and we were going to meet up, but we kind of never really got around to it. Uh, summer was, was happening. So as a teacher, I, you know, I, I had my summer break and I was doing a lot of, uh, I was teaching classes and doing some other things and, uh, kinda, we, we never just, we never really got around to it. About two weeks ago, I was out on, um, on a friend's property digging for arrowheads. That's another thing that I do uh, aside from looking for, for fossils. I look for native american artifacts on private property and so I, I was out there on my friend's property looking for arrowheads and he invited another uh, one of his mutual friends and their friends so you know this is a few friends removed at this point turns out that friend's friend's friend was the guy who found my fin <laughs> and so we were 20 feet apart we didn't even realize for a while we were 20 feet apart uh, digging our own holes, looking for artifacts. And uh, we just start chatting about what other things we do and blah, 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 blah. And somehow we, we get on the topic of, of looking for fossils. And <laughs> naturally, I pull out my alligator story because it's a great story. And he was like, wait a minute, are you so-and-so? <laughs> and uh, he's like, I have, your, I have your fin in my truck. And so we, That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's just a small world. 
So the yeah, the fossil geek community is pretty small. <laughs> pretty it sounds small. like yeah, pretty small. <laughs> exactly. What could you could you have done anything to avoid this? Yeah. So it, it's. I mean, other than uh, not going in the river, you know. Right. I was but, actually. I went diving. Uh, I knew that if I, it, it had freaked me out. I, w- I was, I'm, you know, this is a few months removed from the, from the incident now. So I'm pretty calm and I can kind of laugh about it and talk about it. But I'm going to be honest that first week or two, I was pretty freaked out, but I knew that this was something that I, I still wanted to keep doing and I didn't want to get so psyched out and let, let so much time go by that I, I would never get back in the water again. So I kind of, I knew that I had to kind of get back on the horse and uh, I think it, maybe it was three weeks later after that incident, my friend said, hey, you know, I know uh, all this happened, but are you interested in diving again? And I said, yes, let's let's go. Let's do it right now. I, I need to get back in the water. And so I, I was back in there and <laughs> moving a little bit more cautiously. I still do. <laughs> I was in the water again two weeks ago from now. But um, yeah, I, I just knew I had to get back in there. When I mean, you were drift, just drifting, and you think you probably just kind of drifted into him. Yeah, but yeah. there's no way to see. He couldn't see really, you coming, and no. you couldn't see him. So that's just it's just something that might happen, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's something that it, it's it, it's a risk. You know, I can minimize the risk by not covering as much area in such a way, you know, I was in the water drifting backwards and we would go quarter mile to half mile stretches at a time as we were leapfrogging. That's covering a huge amount of distance. You will a hundred percent see an alligator somewhere in that, in that region, hopefully on the side, but maybe behind you. Historically, we would, we would bang on, on the boat and throw rocks in the water and try and make a lot of noise. And then we would move up current give whatever was near us plenty of time to get out of the way. And and that's what I've done since. And, uh, and I don't think I'll ever do the drifting backwards thing again, you know, but it, it is inherently a risk. Yeah. And I'm stupid enough, I guess, to take it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I, you know, I love collecting. I love the history and I've, you know, I found some amazing things. I've actually, a friend of mine, his name is Rick. Uh, we, we donated a Colombian mammoth, find to the florida museum of natural history last year and uh they're using it to write a paper and i had it in my classroom for a little while we not the whole thing obviously but i had a leg bone and some vertebrae and and one of his tusks and all these things so you know it's something that i i personally love as a hobby and i i I think i can also kind of contribute a little bit to others education on on florida's natural history it's something you're passionate about. You obviously want to keep doing it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, something just occurred to me though, when you're out in in the river and you find these things, obviously that have uh, historical mm-hmm. or geographical value, mm-hmm. who, whose property is that? That's a great question. Great question. With shark teeth, due, due to the sheer number of shark teeth that, that are found in Florida and, and other places, at least in Florida law, Nobody, you don't have to have any special license or anything like that to have shark teeth and collect those. Anything else though, vertebrate fossils, um, so things like the mammoth or um, or I find sloth, ancient giant sloth teeth and claws and things like that. Anything vertebrate, it, it you need to have a uh, a fossil license, and you can get that through the University of Florida 
and the Gainesville Museum. And it, it's it's not it's not expensive. It's about five dollars a year for that for that license. You, and and every time I find something that's vertebrate, so anything that I find that is not shark or fish, uh, we document and then we inform. And you're supposed to. Not everybody does, but you should. And we do. We document and inform the uh, the university. And it, and if they want one of our finds um, as part of having that that license, they they can uh, they can take that and and utilize it for scientific purposes. And we they didn't ask for the mammoth, but they kind of hinted that they would appreciate it. And my friend and I, <laughs> but they you know they could have taken it, but they uh, I know Dr. Halbert. That's that's the guy who runs. The entire state program. Uh, I've met up with him a few times now. So they requested the mammoth, and and my friend and I we 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 donated it to them. So well, yeah, being good stewards of exactly. this kind of item, they you know it's pretty obvious that that's what you'd want to do. I'm sure exactly. But a, a lot of these things, it's it's kind of tough because of course there is s- some knowledge to be gained uh, from from the fossils and from what is found. Unfortunately, with river finds, often location is is kind of not as useful because the river tumbles and, and pushes things together. You know, we have ten million year old shark teeth next to ten thousand year old mammoth stuff. You know, so it's that isn't as necessary to record like exact location and general areas are good, but you know, you can't get too too specific with that. Right, you won't see any trends or anything if you if it was tracked, no, probably. But there are micro fossils and things. So when I gave the leg bone to Doctor Halbert, he uh, was able to examine that and uh, look for things like ancient pollen spores that are embedded within all the way up inside the bone. So there there are things that you can do to help date and put in relation to other things. So people like that must be pretty happy that stupid people are, are, are going out in the river with the alligators to, <laughs> yep. to find these things and bring them back. And they exactly. just say, okay, that's great. Yep. I'll take he, it. We've, we've joked about that before. Uh, <laughs> we, he said, yep, you guys go ahead. I, I will not be in that river, but let me know what you find. <laughs> so it is a great story, man. It it's is, just, it's it just crazy. So we'll have uh, on the show notes for this episode, we'll have Jake's video, and uh, I'll put your Instagram link on there. So if people want to follow yeah, you and cool. see what you're up to again, once again, the Instagram handle is think seek T H I N K S E E K all one word on Instagram. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what great things you find in the future. Hopefully no more alligators. Hopefully. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. You know, treasure hunting and fossil hunting does sound fun, But personally, I think I prefer hobbies that don't involve potential alligator attacks. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I want to tell you about a podcast that I listen to and support. It's called Darknet Diaries, and it's hosted by a guy named Jack Resider. The tagline for this show is True Stories from the Dark Side of the Internet. Now, for me, it's a great show because of two factors. First off, it's all true stories. Jack confirms the facts for his show, just like I make sure the stories here on this podcast are true. And you know, I do love some crazy true stories. And second, for me anyway, it deals with some subject matter that interests me. Computers, the internet, technology, hacking, all that stuff. 
A recent episode was about a guy who put credit card skimmers on gas pumps and how that scam usually works. But even more scary, now there are credit card skimmers on e-commerce websites and there's really no way for you to know it. Darknet Diaries is over 50 episodes dealing with all kinds of cool stuff like that, which you won't find on other shows. Jack started this podcast as just a one-man show, doing all the work himself. I can tell you from first-hand experience, it's a lot of work. In the beginning, it's difficult because you really don't have an audience. You just have to keep at it, keep promoting, and keep putting out good quality content, and eventually the masses will find the show. That's what's happened to Jack and Darknet Diaries, and I see a lot of similarities with my podcast, What Was That Like?, it just keeps growing as more and more people discover it. Now, Jack has a team of people, and he's able to do the podcast full-time. And Darknet Diaries has a Patreon account, and I support that show every month because I really like the content, and I think it's worth paying for to make sure it keeps going. So I would encourage you to check it out. You can get it on any podcast player or at darknetdiaries.com. And if you like this show, I invite you to become a supporter at whatwasthatlike.com support. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you in two weeks.